Welcome to the Gridiron Goodies Podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Scott. On today's episode, I will recap the games from this past weekend, I'll hold myself accountable as we do a little bet busting, and we'll wrap up with some playoff picture talks, all coming up on this episode of the full recap. First, let's jump into our recap over the weekend. We'll start off, as always, with our watchable games list from the preview. First on our list, we had a game that seemed to have been played weeks ago, as the Denver Broncos fell to 7-7 with the 17-42 loss to the now 10-4 Detroit Lions. The Lions now look to have a firm hold on their division, while playoff hopes in Denver seem to be fading. Jared Goff played a really good game. He threw five touchdowns, three of which went to Sam Laporta, who himself also played really well. Their rushing attack continued to dominate as the tandem of Montgomery and Gibbs struck again as they almost combined for 200 yards rushing and a score. This offense seems to be on the right track again. The Broncos offense, on the other hand, struggled yet again. Russell Wilson played the same way he's been playing all season long in what I like to call squiggly conservative. He's been doing a great job of picking up first downs and keeping drives going just long enough to throw it away on a third and long on the fourth or fifth series of a drive. Rinse and repeat. Sometimes they get lucky with ridiculous catches from Sutton in the red zone. This team has seemingly ran on luck on both sides of the ball for weeks, and now that luck seems to be running out on them. I honestly don't want to see them in the playoffs. They'll just get destroyed and embarrass me yet again on the national stage. Speaking of embarrassing, let's move on to the next game on our watchable games list. The Cowboys at the Bills. I said in my preview that on paper the Cowboys should destroy the Bills, but that I couldn't help shake the feeling that Buffalo was going to go out and surprise some people. That's exactly what happened as the Bills destroyed the Cowboys 31-10. to Now you'd see a score like that and you'd expect to see Josh Allen have a ridiculous stat line. That is not the case at all. The pressure was finally off of Allen. James Cook had an absolutely insane day. He had over 225 all-purpose yards with 180 of them rushing and he scored twice, once in the air and once on the ground. Cook was most of the offense. Allen didn't have to do much of anything through the air at all. He only threw for 94 yards on seven completions. For Dallas, I think a huge weakness has just been revealed and teams they'll likely meet in the playoffs like the Niners, the Bucks, the Rams that can run the ball just might exploit this down the road. I'm curious to see how Dan Quinn and that defense use these remaining games to address this. Next game on our list was the Ravens at the Jaguars. The Ravens stay on track to remain atop of the conference standings as they increase their record to 11-3 with the dominating 23-7 victory over Jacksonville, who now sits at 8-6 and is in real danger of dropping their division. The Ravens' rushing attack was once again on full display in this game. Lamar almost hit 100 yards rushing, as did Keaton Mitchell, and as a team, they ran for over 250 yards. Sadly, though, towards the end of the game, Keaton Mitchell hyperextended his knee and looks like he'll likely miss the remainder of the season. Gus Edwards and Justice Hill also had decent production in this game and should see an increase in their workload moving forward. The Ravens' defense was suffocating. The Jaguars couldn't get much going on offense, and they were able to bring down Trevor Lawrence for three sacks. In sort of a weird developing story, Trevor finished that game, but is now in concussion protocol. I'm not too sure how that works, but... It sounds like maybe he shouldn't have finished that game. What is going on in Jacksonville? They seem to be doing a terrible job at protecting their star quarterback. I'm not just talking about on the field. 
I mean upstairs. First, they make him hobble through the dungeons on a busted ankle, and now they seemingly misdiagnose a concussion. I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty sure this is not the way you handle these situations. Moving on to the last game on our watchable games list, the Seahawks stunned the football world as they stole a win from the highly favored Eagles on Monday night. Seattle improves to 7-7 on the year and remains relevant in playoff talks. Philly drops to 10-4 on the season and concerns are growing. Jalen Hurts' availability was in question all day leading up to this game. He would play, but had a pretty bad game through the air. He threw for less than 150 yards, 0 touchdowns, and 2 picks. But in the rushing game, he ran for almost 100 yards and scored twice on whatever the hell they call that sneak play now. The Seahawks also had questions at quarterback. Drew Locke gets the start with Geno still nursing his injury. He played well, took care of the ball, and led the drive that would ultimately put his team ahead at the end. With Geno out, Seattle was able to successfully rely on the rushing attack as well. Kenneth Walker was a bruiser and busted a few big runs, totaling close to 100 yards and a touchdown that brought this game within reach. Ultimately, if you looked at this loss for the Eagles in a vacuum, you could easily chalk this up as one of those off games that good teams have. The problem is that they've had three of these in a row now. I think their defense is a little overrated at this point. Now they seem to have issues stopping the run and the pass. I'm pretty sure those are the two main ways an offense moves the ball. So major problems may be ahead for this team moving forward. Moving on to the results of our speed round. First up, we had the Bengals 27-24 overtime victory over the visiting Vikings. This was one of the more fun games on the Saturday slate. The Bengals looked cooked as the Vikings held a two-lead score late in the game, but Jake Browning continued to amaze audiences everywhere as he, Mixon, and Higgins helped climb out of a hole and into the win column in the fourth quarter. I really like the narrative surrounding this team and I hope they can manage to find their way into the playoffs. Next up, we had the Colts' 30-13 victory over the Steelers at home. Pittsburgh looked great going up by two scores early. However, that would be the only points they could muster up for the rest of the game. Gardner Minshew and the Colts, however, moved the ball well through the air. He threw three touchdown passes and didn't turn the ball over once. Minshew is proving to be a viable starter in this league, especially when he can keep his mistakes to a minimum like he did in this game. Up next, we had a sack fest in New Orleans as the Saints handled business at home 24-6 against the visiting Giants. Tommy DeVito was sacked a total of seven times and would later have to leave the game due to injury, replaced by Tyrod Taylor. As sort of a comedic relief, the Saints would celebrate every sack in hilarious fashion as they would do the Italiano hand gesture. The Saints dominated this game, and even Jimmy Graham recorded another touchdown snag. Moving on, we had a very entertaining game, as the Bears blew a lead late in the fourth quarter, losing a heartbreaker on the road, 17-20, to Joe Flacco and the Browns. I really like Flacco on this team. I hate cliches, but they're often true, and the whole they-needed-an-adult-in-the-room trope is now becoming clear to me as this is exactly the case with this Browns team. He seems to give this team direction as he guides them in a calming manner, which seems to be providing the confidence this offense was lacking. I never really liked him prior to this, and I definitely hated this Cleveland organization as a whole coming into this season. But I can't help but find myself cheering for this current iteration of the team. I wouldn't mind seeing this team in the playoffs. 
Next up, we have a quick one, as the Panthers managed to find their second win of the year with their nap-inducing 9-7 victory over the Falcons. Atlanta played poorly on offense, as is made obvious by the score. Ritter had a terrible game and is now benched for the second time this season for Taylor Heineke moving forward. The Panthers got the win in the record books, but nobody really came away from this game as winners. These two teams are miserable to watch. Back to the drawing board, they both go. Up next, we had the Bucks' fairly decisive 34-20 victory over the Packers at home. Baker Mayfield played great with close to 400 yards and four touchdown passes. He became the first opposing quarterback ever to have a perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field. Mike Evans and Rashad White continued to find the end zone, and Godwin had a great game with over 150 yards receiving. Jordan Love and the Packers' offense played decently, but their defense let them down and couldn't stop anything the Bucks did on offense. As a result, this team is in serious danger of missing the postseason. The Bucks, on the other hand, are in a good spot to pull away with their division. Moving on, we have the Jets' pathetic attempt at slowing down the track stars of Miami. The Dolphins dominated 30-0 at home. Even without Tyreek Hill, this Dolphins team managed to look unstoppable. Jalen Waddle had close to 150 yards receiving and a score. Raheem Moster added two more scores of his season, and on defense, Bradley Chubb recorded three sacks and two forced fumbles. This team looks sharp and ready for the playoffs. Next up, with the Chiefs getting right against the Patriots, 27-17. The Chiefs' rushing attack was basically non-existent without Pacheco in the lineup, but CEH and McKinnon were both dangerous out of the backfield especially in the red zone, as they both came away with a receiving touchdown. Kadarius Toney just can't stay out of the headlines, as yet again, he would make a costly mistake. He dropped a pass and flung it up into the air, leading to an interception. After the play, Mahomes was livid, and will no doubt draw the attention of the media this upcoming week. Travis Kelsey also had a weird day. He dropped a pass in the end zone, and then immediately followed it up with a poor attempt at a flop to draw a flag. This team really didn't seem to take advantage of this game. They still look a little off, and time is running out to get back on track. Up next, Case Keenum and the Texans made the Titans look like fools in their old threads, with a 19-16 victory. This is now a rivalry that is definitely on my radar. I didn't realize how much these two teams despised one another until this game. For those of you that don't know, or are too embarrassed to ask, the Titans used to be the Houston Oilers. They moved to Nashville sometime in the mid-90s when I was a kid. A few years later, Houston would receive a new expansion team, the Texans. So, technically the Titans own the rights to the old franchise and the history that went with it. In this game, the Titans decided to wear their old Oilers uniforms, but not just that. They even painted the field with all of the old logos and Vrabel dressed up as their old coach Bum Phillips before the game. I've never seen a franchise come out and say fuck you to another franchise any clearer than this. It would all blow up in their face, however, when Case Keenum hit Noah Brown in the end zone to tie the game up at 16 with 3 minutes left. Kaimi Fairbairn would later nail a field goal with 2 seconds left and stunned the entire building in hilarious fashion. I have massive respect for the Texans now and would love to see them in the postseason, even if it's at the expense of my Broncos. Moving on, we had the 49ers doing exactly what we all expected them to do 
with a ridiculous 45-29 victory over the Cardinals. Arizona actually moved the ball well, especially on the ground, but their defense looked awful and allowed basically every weapon of the Niners to score. San Francisco continues to look like the Super Bowl favorites, and the Cardinals don't seem to be as lost as some of the other hopeless franchises. Speaking of lost franchises, the last game on our speed round was the Commanders' 20-28 loss to the Rams. The Commies did a decent job of making the score respectable at the end after benching Sam Howell, but the Rams dominated most of this game. They did so with a well-balanced attack. Stafford and Cup in the passing game, and Kyron Williams especially on the ground. This team looks dangerous, and I hope they can manage a playoff berth. And that brings us to the end of the speed round. Let's go ahead and take a quick break right here. Welcome back. Now, I hold myself and the words I spout accountable in today's bet busting. My straight five bets for the weekend resulted in the following. First up, I had Cortland Sutton to score, which he did not. Up next, I had Sam Laporta to score, which he did, three times actually. Then I had DJ Moore to score, which surprisingly he did not. Next up, I had David Njoku to score, and he did. Lastly, I had Puka Nakua to score, which sadly for us, he did not. I went two for five here. For my parlay bets, I decided to go with two three-leg parlays, one for the Saturday games and one for the Sunday games. I lost the Saturday parlay due to Mixon and Gibbs not hitting their receiving yardage, and I failed the Sunday parlay because DJ Moore didn't score. I also realized I broke one of my rules and stuck a straight five bet into a parlay. But we can use this as an example of why you don't do that. Let's move on and take a peek at the current playoff picture. Atop the AFC, we have the Ravens, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and the Jags. Currently sitting in the wildcard slots, we have the Browns, the Bengals, and the Colts with the Texans and the Bills being the only realistic teams on the fringe. Jacksonville has a pretty tough upcoming slate of games and could very realistically come away 1-2 and two in that stretch. This leaves the door open for the Texans to swoop in and take that division, and the Jags might be in danger of missing the postseason altogether. The Bills are in a good spot to come away 2-1 and one at the least over their stretch and could very likely ride this wave into the playoffs with the last seed. Here's how I would like to see the AFC shake out. Ravens earn home field and top seed. Dolphins second. Chiefs third. Texans, not the Jags, fourth. Browns fifth. Bengals sixth. And the Bills, not the Colts, get the last seed. Leaving the Jags, the Colts, the Broncos, and the Steelers all on the outside looking in. For the NFC, we currently have the Niners, Cowboys, Lions, and Bucks at the top and the Eagles, Vikings, and Rams in the wildcard, with the Packers, Seahawks, and Saints being the only realistic teams trying to get in. I actually like the way this bracket is shaping up. I might swap out the Vikings for the Packers, though, and leave it at that. All of these teams are fun to watch. Moving on, now that we are in the playoffs for fantasy football, I figured my advice is no longer needed for this year. If you earned a way into the tournament, you probably don't need to hear from me. So, I will leave you with the all-worldly advice of remembering to set your lineups and make sure to check the injury reports. This time of year, teams hide shit. As a good rule, I like to check any questionable players' reports to see if they have multiple full practices in a row. Typically, these guys play and the other ones don't, so don't be hesitant about benching these guys. Well, that will do it for today's episode. 
I will return tomorrow for the Thursday night preview. I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you next time.